Well, good morning to each of you, brothers and sisters. It's good to be here with you. It's good to to get together in God in the house of the Lord, as we say, to worship Him, to pray to Him, and to gather around His Word. I invite you this morning to open your Bibles with me to Matthew thirteen. Matthew thirteen. And there's a, this is a passage of scripture that for some time I felt that I want to preach on. And it just seems like this is the time. As the last time we preached, it was concerning the danger of hypocrisy out of Matthew 23 and how that the chief priests and scribes held up to a, a, an outward standard that was not of God. And you may ask, how do sincere people come to this place? Well, we're going to understand a bit of that from Jesus' own words here in Matthew 13. Let's begin reading in verse 1. I want to read through verse 23. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. And, uh, but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The disciples came to him, came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For surely I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Therefore hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. 
This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. Let's pray. Our Lord, as we bow before you, we thank you for this passage of Scripture, Lord, that opens to us an understanding of your, your doctrine on the kingdom of heaven, on who should enter, on who does enter, and who does not enter, upon the, what it looks like, Lord, when someone comes into the kingdom and is a part of the kingdom of God. I pray today, Lord, you would set aside, help us to set aside all the things that would distract us from that which is right and holy and just in your word. You are right, you are just, you are perfect, you are holy. God, and we worship you this morning for who you are. We just thank you, Lord, that you, you seek to reveal your word to those who you call and who are, who are your children and who come to you asking for the things that they need. And we just pray, Lord, you would open our minds here today that our minds may receive this word with gladness and that with joy we may look upon your truth and be better people for your word working in us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the title of this, of, this, of this message is The Roots and Fruit of Saving Faith. The Roots and Fruit of Saving Faith. As we come to this passage, one of the things that we must note is there are some, there's going to be a long introduction here to the actual truth that needs to be taught. Let's first of all notice the crowds. The same day that Jesus went out of the house, he sat by the sea, and great multitudes, great crowds gathered around him. Multitudes were wanting to hear Jesus were so large that he had to get into a boat and, and push out just a distance from shore, and they were all standing on the shore while he was in the boat, and he was teaching them. The large crowds that wanted to hear him, these, this is not the same thing as an assembly of God's people gathered to worship and hear him. These people, there were many different kinds in, the, in this group. There were from all over the place in, that, in the land of Israel. And this is, this is, not, a, this is not necessarily a picture of the church. Uh, today, people want large crowds. People want to have 
a big church. We have a lot of mega churches today. But let's just understand that a large crowd of people gathering in a building does not constitute the church of Jesus Christ. Anytime Jesus had large crowds following him, he always turned around and he explained the gospel in such a way that they had to enter through the narrow gate. So Jesus here is making plain to them that as they're gathering and they're, they're wanting to gather around his word, he's saying he's actually putting up a tunnel and he's saying right here is the way to the word, to the truth. This is the way to the kingdom of heaven. And so the way he did this was by the use of parables. Notice that he, he gathered to them and he spoke many things to them in parables. In another place it says that everything he taught them, he taught them by parables. And what does parable mean? Parable here simply means to throw down alongside of. Or to literally means to throw a story alongside of a spiritual truth and use that story to explain things about the truth. What Jesus is doing is he's revealing the kingdom of heaven. And so he gives this parable for the people and by extension for us to understand what he is speaking of when he talks about the kingdom of heaven and entering the kingdom of heaven. Now Jesus here is targeting a specific group of people. Notice that while everyone heard the story, they all heard the same words. He said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He's targeting the ones who have ears to hear. That's not just these little things that stick out the side of our head to catch the sound. He's talking about our hearts being able to, to hear and understand the truth. There, the word understand is used five times in this passage. And that's a key word. That's something we need, to, we need to, to, to grasp, is that understanding is a big part of what Jesus is saying. To understand means to be in the kingdom of heaven. To not understand means to not be in the kingdom of heaven. And so we have to understand what that understanding is. What does he mean by understand? We're going to look at that. And Jesus states very clearly here that the reason that he gives this, he says in verse 11, his disciples, well, in verse 10, his disciples come to him and says, why are you speaking to them in these parables? Why don't you just come out and say the truth the way it is? He says, because to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. The mysteries were the hidden things, the things that had been hidden from, from, previous, uh, from previous time. And as we know in the Old Testament, the idea of a kingdom of heaven that included Gentiles was unheard of. It's a mystery. It was a dark thing to them. They couldn't see through it. They couldn't see into it. Because in their, in their, in their thinking, it was Jews only. Jesus is now laying out the principles of the kingdom of heaven. He says, to you, to you disciples, God has given it that you should know the mysteries. 
You should know the things that have been hidden, but to them it, was, it has not been given. So, <clears throat> while this is a very clear, clear passage, it is also a very serious and a very sobering passage. It is, a, it is one that, that compels us to take a second look. When he says in verse 3, behold, we should behold. We should look. There's reason he's telling us to not just to take a casual glance, but to take a studious look at what he is saying. The word here is that he gives is very similar to the word that he gives in John 6 and verse 44. I'm going to hold my finger here. Let's turn over there to John 6 and in verse 44, where Jesus says, No one. And this is an absolute no one. There's no, no qualifications to it. It's no one can come to the Father. I'm sorry, back up. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Now, this is kind of hard for us in this day and age because we have heard for decades the free offer of the gospel. And the gospel is offered freely. The invitation is open to all. But the ones that really that want to come into the, gospel, into the, the kingdom of heaven are the ones that come as God has designed that they come. And this is what he says. And it's kinda, it's, this, is, this is narrowing the gate to what it really is. He says, no man comes to, the fa- to me unless the Father, unless God draws him. Well, we like to think of that word draw as... You know, wooing somebody or, 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 or enticing them or, you know, baiting them into the kingdom of God. And that's not the meaning of this word. The meaning of this word is, is the word to exercise uh, a force that moves. When, when Paul and Silas were dragged before the council, they, that's the same Greek word. They were drawn before the council. They weren't baited or wooed. They were, they were taken. They were overpowered and taken. When we draw water out of the well, it's the same way. We put a bucket down into the well, and the force that we exert on the rope and the bucket brings the water up out of the well. It defies the law of gravity, and it draws. And this is what Christ must do, is He must take us in our sin, and it's a spiritual issue where He moves us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of His dear Son. There's a, there's a drawing out and a placing in. And then unless this work is happening, to, to, to understand what Jesus is saying is going to be misunderstood. We won't understand it. And unless it comes from that perspective, from that place... <clears throat> Those who are drawn, notice he says in verse 45, that they are all shall be taught by God. 
It's not just a thing where God arbitrarily takes and drags somebody out, kicking and screaming into heaven. Nobody comes against their will. But God takes their will and He changes their will by the teaching that is brought into their lives. And God Himself, I can teach you this morning what I believe the Bible says, and I can only speak to the ears that are on the outside of your head. It is God who speaks to the heart. It's the Holy Spirit who draws the heart and moves the heart to the place of repentance. It is only the work of God to do that. And that's what he's speaking of here. He says that unless the Father does that work, there's no change. There's no coming into the kingdom of heaven. And so what we have here then is many people who heard the word, but only some were changed. And so we must understand that from the beginning, that only some were changed. Now, contrary to popular opinion, I believe Jesus is teaching three examples of lost people that hear the word of God and three examples of saved people that hear the word of God. And we'll, we'll go through that <clears throat> here in just a bit. But we notice that as he says that, tells the disciples, he says, because God has drawn you, because he has given it to you to receive these mysteries, to know, to know the teaching that I'm teaching, he says, I'm going to explain it to you. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you in black and white. My Bible, it's red and white. But nonetheless, I'm going to give it to you plainly. Likewise, now this is, this is why all those who receive a change of thinking and a change of understanding, they will be given more truth. All who come to Christ in this way, all who are brought near by the work of God, are going to receive more. That's what he says here. He says, whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have an abundance but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. I believe, brothers and sisters, Jesus was saying they're not going to understand. They don't want to understand. Regardless of what they're saying, regardless of what they're doing, regardless of how they're responding, they don't want it. They are still over here in the lost state. And it is until God changes their heart that they will only then be able to bear fruit from what he is teaching. In fact, the words that he says, coming into verses 14 and 15, that hearing you will hear and not understand. This is actually God pronouncing judgment upon Israel. It's quoted out of Isaiah. Where God says, you're going to hear the word of God. But you're not going to understand it. Because he says, the people of this heart, of the heart of, of these people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes they have closed. <clears throat> lest they should see with their eyes. And hear with their ears, 
lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. You see, the reality is, Job knew that God, Job, Jonah knew that God was a merciful God and that when if he turned the Ninevites to call out to him in repentance, God would forgive. And God says here, it's not the Ninevites that, of that day that we're worried about, it's the Israelites. And today I'll just tell you, I'm not, I, I believe that many lost are going to come to the kingdom yet, but I'm worried, I'm concerned about the lost in the church, friends. That's what grips my heart this morning as I read this passage of Scripture. And I have to ask myself, if all the churches that we have in America is God allowing us to hear the Word and our ears have become dull from hearing it, our eyes are blinded to it, we don't want to see anymore. Our hearts are grown cold. This is, I'm afraid, the state of many of us that call ourselves Christians in America today. And I believe, friends, it's time that the gospel plow plows where it ought to plow. That the way be made where the way really is. And that's what Jesus is doing here. In fact, he says, the judgment of God. This language is about the judgment of God. But he says, blessed to the, to the, to the disciples. Blessed are your ears, your eyes, for they see. Blessed are your ears, for they hear. Something has been changed in your heart already. So I'm going to explain this word to you because for you, this is going to do some good. For them, it's not profitable. They'll hear the story. It may tickle their fancy. It may bring a good feeling to them, but it's not going to profit them in the day of the Lord. So, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. We want to begin, first of all, <clears throat> number one, in verse, verses 18 and 19. He says, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. And to hear means to understand. And I call this the superficial hearing of God's word. The superficial hearing of God's word. To hear what, God, what Christ is saying about hearing, it means to give attention to what is being said. To understand. It's not just the sound hitting our eardrums. This is comprehension and understanding of what is being said. And this understanding, when he says to understand, it means to put the perception with together with the thing perceived. Or in other words, to set together or bring together things that belong together. What Jesus is saying, I want you to make right judgments about what goes together in the kingdom of God. We've had this thing where we, in America today, we open our church doors to everybody. And everybody can come. And that's, that's, that's the friendliness. But in the kingdom of heaven, we've, not, we've failed to set down what Jesus says is the true way. And today, people in the church, 
they say they're in the church, are acting and living and doing no differently than people who've never come to faith in the Lord. It's ought to grip our hearts, friends. Because if it doesn't grip, it for, grip your heart, it ought to grip your heart for your children and for your grandchildren. Because this problem is getting worse. The discernment, the lines of, that are drawn in the Scriptures are just being brushed aside. They're saying, everybody just come on in. They pat you on the back. You're a good guy. We'll take you in and you'll just be fine here. And Jesus says, and unless you hear, unless you understand, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. And so what he says is this, this hearer, this superficial hearer, is one who hears the word, he does not understand. He does not put together what God tells him to put together. He's not put together the fact that he is a sinner outside the kingdom of God. He does not put together the fact that Christ came to redeem his soul and to bring him into the kingdom of God. He does not put together the fact that there is an eternal hell awaiting the sinner. He does not put together the fact that all those who are redeemed and saved will spend eternal life with the Lord Jesus Christ. See, these are things that must be put together. There's only one way, and that is through Christ, and we must, we must put this together in understanding. You see, to rightly understand God's Word means that I receive its teachings, I receive its principles, I receive its doctrines, I receive its applications the way that God lays them out. And apply these to my life so that my life is now ordered and led by His Word. That's what it means to understand. This means that we embrace what God loves and we get rid of what He hates. This means that we love Him before all else and He gets to tell me how to live. This means that I learn to live as I should live, and I live for God alone. Yes, I have a family. Yes, I have a job. Yes, I have work to do. Yes, I have neighbors. But ultimately, all of life comes under one heading, and that is to the glory of God alone. And if we don't live that way, we're not living according to the kingdom. So this hearer heard only superficially because he didn't understand it. The seed hit the, hit the roadside where he had been traveling, where multiple things had been in and out of his life, and it just rolled around on the ground. And the wicked one comes and snatches it away. Now, the, there's nothing wrong with the seed. Birds love good seeds. So the seed was snatched by somebody who wanted to get it out of there. There was nothing wrong with the sower. Jesus here depicts himself as a sower scattering the, the seed, the Word of God. But because this man, this woman, heard superficially, would not behold, would not look, would not study, would not gaze, Upon the truth, the wicked one snatched it away. And my friends, we look at that as a little thing today. But if this was the last 
seed that fell on that man's heart. And he knows it in eternity. What kind of anguish will he have over this day that he only listened superficially? The Word of God was just a surface issue and it just rolled around on his heart and never penetrated his heart. That's the seriousness of what Jesus is talking about. If the Word of God goes no deeper than the surface you're not saved. You're lost. I want to ask you this morning, has God opened your heart to, to receive His Word? How do you handle God's Word in your life? Is it just a loose seed that rolls around, gets trampled on, kicked around? Or is God's Word producing fruit in you? We see that what Jesus says in verse 12 comes to literal fulfillment in this verse. Look at verse 12. For whoever has to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. We see the literal fulfillment of that here. That even when the word comes to him, that gets snatched away because he's never went past the superficiality, the surface of life. We see that this man cannot have a superficial seed of the Word of God sitting on the top of his life. He can't not have just went to a service a time or two. He can't not have just opened his Bible a time or two or breathed a prayer a time or two. That unless the Word penetrates his heart, he's a lost man. Now let's notice. The second one is the shallow not only do we have the superficial here, but the shallow emotional reception of God's Word. And this is someone who has a place for God's Word to fall into. And God's Word actually comes in and there's, a, there's, there's something that springs up in their heart. There's something that comes forth. And Jesus here tells us in verse 20, that He received, but He received the Spirit the word on stony places. The stony places are the places where there is no root. There's no place for the root to take hold. The stony places means that something else occupies the place under the surface. The surface may look fine, but the stones that lie underneath will never allow for a true plant to bear fruit. And by the way, the first three that we're going to look at here are unbelieving hearers. And one of the ways we know they're unbelieving hearers is because no fruit is born of any of these. No fruit ever comes out of this hearing. <clears throat> the shallow emotional reception does cause immediate emotional response 
If your connection with Christ is an emotional one, you may have an emotional response from hearing His Word. You may be able to, to with joy say amen at times. There's nothing wrong. I want people to say amen. But if it's a fake, and that's all you have, if, if you can wave your arms and dance, if you can sing, if you can, and that's all you have, then let's note what he says about this. Immediately they receive it with joy, but he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. Listen, I want to ask you a question. Does Jesus give what kind of life? Somebody tell me. Eternal life. Folks, that's not two-day life. That's not two-week life. That's not two-year life. That's not 20-year life. That's not 40-year life. That's eternal life. And if, if there is a going back against the Word of God as a pattern of life, where, the will, where that which comes from the Word just wilts and dies, the faith that fizzles before the finished was flawed from the first. Something was wrong from the very beginning. The emotional response, friends, cannot stand up in the day of tribulation. The sun's going to come out, the rain's going to slow down, and it's going to get hot. We're going to have pressure put on our lives. The Word of God is going to be hated. And the reason that God allows this is because He wants to show forth what His Word really is in us. That when the pressure and the heat and the persecution is put on, that there is still fruit being born. Why did David say that I, he, he gives me a place, he, he spreads a table before me where? In the presence of mine enemies. God makes a feast on the battlefield. Listen, the, the Christian life is not about lasting for two years, unless that's all you're going to live. And then it's eternal. I mean, that, that would just be this life. The Christian life is about eternity. And so when you hear, it has eternal consequences. You see, the reception is shallow because it's a stony reception. Now, it may come out as a joyful reception. You know, you may think that this man is just overjoyed with what he's hearing. But if all it is is a, an emotion, he's actually resisting and rejecting the Word of God. There's a stony heartedness there. He's doing this so that God can't, he thinks he can keep God from penetrating what he's really hiding. Now, proper emotion may come forth as a result of God at work. That's a totally different story. If it comes forth as a result of God's work, it's still emotion is not the means of God's work. And today we have this fallacy that as long as you can crank up the music and you can stir up the motion and whip it up, then the Spirit will come. I, I mean, I've heard people say this. Folks, that's, that's, that's 
error to the core. That's, that's, that's not what Jesus is, that's what Jesus is saying is wrong. This kind of hearing is temporary even at its very best. It will only be here today and gone tomorrow. Now let's notice testing and trial. He says the testing and the trial, when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. The testing and the trial prove what's there. They don't change it. A lot of people say, well, I was doing good until this came along. And it just took me out. Have you ever seen anything take God out? Has anything ever taken God out? If God plants the seed in your heart, and it's His Holy Spirit that puts it there and lives with it there, what's going to take it out? He says, not angels, not principalities, not powers, not things present, not things to come, not height, nor depth, nor any other thing can separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so what does that mean? It lasts eternally. And it weathers the storms. I, I know it may mean that outwardly our lives may change. We may, we may lose because of the kingdom of God. But that doesn't change the heart. The heart goes after God. And that's the seed that's been planted there. Is, the heart, is, is in the heart that has been made ready. We'll get into that a little later. 1 John 2, verses 18 to 19. <clears throat> he says this. Little children, it is the last hour. And you, as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. That's interesting. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Now, he says they were a part of our group. They were among us. But what does he mean by they were not of us? What he's saying is they weren't born of that work of Christ bringing them into the kingdom of heaven. There was just a superficial, there was an emotional attachment there. And when the Antichrist came along and put pressure upon them through temptation, through deception... Through, through persecution. They left. They abandoned the word of God. They abandoned the truth. They abandoned the people of God. They wanted to get as far away as they could because now their lives are at stake. They went out of us, out from us, that it might be made manifest. They might be revealed that they never were of us they never were rooted in christ 
The superficial hearer, my friend, is one that has a stony heart. Underneath all the show on the outside is a hard heart. And unless the Lord removes the stony heart and replaces it with a heart of flesh, he continues to remain an emotional hearer. And that's all. Ezekiel 20, 36, 26, I'm not going to go there because of time, but he says, I'm going to take out the days coming. I'm going to take out that heart of stone and I'm going to put in a heart of flesh. And it's the Holy Spirit that he's going to put into our hearts. And the Holy Spirit will always, always respond rightly to the word of God. And he will lead us to respond rightly to the word of God. The transformation, it is performed by God, it is the heart of the new covenant. It's the stony heart that rejects God that must be removed. And when it, he, he doesn't just smooth it over with, 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 with flattering words and smooth promises. He says, I'm going to take that stony heart out. And I'm going to put it in a heart of flesh. You see, unless the heart is changed, unless this takes place, there is no spiritual life. We like to say, well, there's a little bit. No, Jesus says it's dead. Because what it is on the day of judgment is still what it is today unless he changes that heart. If, if it's just a superficial planning, he says it's dead because on the day of judgment, it will be dead on arrival. If it's a life that he has begun by preparing the soil and planting the word of God within so that it changes the heart, there's a new heart put in. I don't care how weak, I don't care how little seems to get done, I don't care how stumbling and faltering we are, I don't care how imperfect we are, on the day of judgment, friends, the life that he begins here will stand. <clears throat> this is the knowledge, friends, that we must have to be obedient. Is that what he begins, he completes. If we're going to be obedient, we need to understand that what he begins, he will finish. What he has started is going to be done by his grace and by his power. So I want to ask you this morning, how do you receive the word of God today? Are you outwardly appearing to receive it and believe it? All the while you mask a stony heart within. Shallow reception of the word of God results in a shipwrecked life. Paul talks about the people that departed and made shipwreck of their lives. Why? Because the shallow, they had only a shallow reception of God's word. Thirdly, my friend, let's look at verse 22. We have a spurious commitment or a false commitment to God and his word. Verse 22, he says, Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word 
and the cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And it becomes unfruitful. Again, it's not bad seed. It's not the sower doing something wrong. The problem is the soil is unprepared. This is a man who has pursued many things in this world and not all of them are wrong. Not all of them are just blatantly evil. But his heart and his mind and his life is so full of this world that he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. We, we find such a man in Luke chapter 18. Let's turn there briefly. <coughs> in Luke chapter 18. And this is the story of the rich young ruler where this young man came to Jesus. And Jesus said, uh, you know, he, he wants to know what can I do to inherit eternal life? I want to inherit eternal life. He's rich, he's young, he's a ruler, and he's asking the right question. That's a man you want on your team, right? He's a man you would want to recruit to be a disciple, right? That's not how Jesus looks at it. He says, why do you call me good? He says, no one is good but one that is God. Verse 19 and verse 20. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. He said, all these things I have kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have. And distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. I want us to note that it wasn't wrong for him to have all these things. Jesus never condemns him for having all these things. But when Jesus asked for them, By the way, who gave them to him? These were gifts given to him from God. When Jesus asked him to lay these things down for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, he began to be very sorrowful because he had many good, beautiful, lovely things and he was very rich. This tells us where his heart was. This tells us that his heart was grown up with with thistles and weeds and thorns. And the word of God was never going to bear any fruit in that heart. Let's go a little further. Jesus now says, when he saw he became very, Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful. He said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. How hard it is. He doesn't say it's impossible. But he says it's hard, it's difficult. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. He says it's more possible that you could take a little sewing needle with an eye and stick a big hairy camel right through it. It's more possible than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Why? It's just as impossible. What it takes to get a rich man into the kingdom of heaven is a spiritual work. And it means that there will be a pulling out of the heart 
the thorns, the thistles, the things that he's accumulated, the wealth, all the businesses that he's unwilling to lay down for the sake of Jesus Christ. You see, God is not tied up here and not knowing what to do. The kingdom of heaven and its way still remains the same. If you will come after me, Jesus says, and take, you must take up your cross and follow me. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake, he says, shall find it. But whosoever shall save his life in this life shall lose it in the life to come. And what this man was doing was saving his life here. And Jesus was very sorrowful because that meant that he's willing to lose it there. This is our short home, friends. This is lifetime. That's eternity. And what we must understand is the consequences of, not le- of the word not penetrating our hearts and bearing fruit is eternal. It's not just a lifetime, it's eternal. And what this man is doing is he's gambling that what he has already accumulated in this life is more important than following Jesus. That's a gamble you and I don't need to make. That's something we don't want to do. I don't know if this man ever repented or not, but notice that Jesus was, even Jesus, it says, he was sorrowful. Now he says, who, can, who then can be saved? Those who heard it said, who then can be saved? He said, with the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. I want us to note that even though that man chose to leave all, God was able to go after him and change his heart, change his mind. We don't know who this man was, but this is an impossible situation at this time. He cannot receive eternal life and hang on to his riches at the same time. And that's what Jesus is saying in Matthew 13. That unless the ground has been made rid of the thorns and the thistles that you cherish. Your commitment to Christ is a defective commitment. Your commitment to Christ is nothing but words. The hearer becomes unfruitful. In the kingdom of heaven. In John 15, Jesus says that unless you abide in me and my words abide in you, unless you abide in the vine, you bear you cannot bear fruit. For he says, Without me, you can do nothing. Our attachment to Christ is everything in the kingdom of God. To be separated from Christ means that we do nothing. I don't care how, much, how well we can make the, 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 the little piece of our life look. I don't care how much perfume and, 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 and whatever I can put on to jazz my body up and, and I can make a, a, everything in my life look good. 
It's worthless in the kingdom of heaven. Unless a man will lay down his, his life, take up his cross, the means of his own death, and follow Jesus. Jesus said he cannot, not may not, he cannot be my disciple. Again, that's an impossible situation. I want to ask you this morning, are you trying to serve Christ while you're loving the world? John 2, 1 John 2.15 says that if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Again, you can't, these are two things, these are in, another impossible situation. You cannot be in love with the world, infatuated with its, with its charm, infatuated with its riches, following its, its standards, and love Christ at the same time. It's not happening. You may put on the appearance of following Christ, but that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says you're, you're not bearing any fruit, so you're not His. Are you willing to abandon this world's teachings, my friends, and its loves in order to receive Christ and His Word? And unless, my friends, unless we lose our life in this life, we will lose it forever. Number four. Now we have come to the last part. Uh, spiritual understanding that results in spiritual fruit. Spiritual understanding that results in spiritual fruit. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. There's an understanding that comes with it. All these others, there's a lack of understanding. There's a lack of putting this together. That it must be Christ and Christ alone who brings us to bear fruit. Let's go, let's keep going. Who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. The word here is received into a prepared heart. That cannot be underemphasized. The difference between these three souls right here in verse 23 and the three that come before it is this one. These are prepared. God has prepared a place for his word to fall. And this is crucial. This is the crux of this matter. This is why there are fruitful Christians and the first three reasons are why there are unfruitful people in the church. We have those saints that we say we love to be around them. The, the, the fruit of the Spirit just flows out of them. They love the Lord and that's, they're sold out to Him. And why is it? Because God prepared a work. They had a hard heart at one time. They had thorns and thistles growing up in their life. The Word of God was impervious to them at one time. But God changed that. And now the seed falls on a prepared heart. And that prepared heart is made good by the Spirit of God. And you have good seed now falling onto good soil. And what's produced is good fruit. 
This is the kingdom of God. This is what stands at the root of being a believer. It is the fact that God has worked up the fallow ground. He's taken out the old heart. And He's put in His heart. And the Holy Spirit has prepared a people to receive His truth. And that truth is growing. That truth is abounding. Understanding the Word is, one, is, 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 is the heart that believes in Christ. They will understand the truth. That doesn't mean they're perfect in understanding. But remember what He said. To Him that has more shall be given. So we need to understand this as a growing process. Now, that growing process was not happening in the first three. It's a dying process. That's the the root of the matter. That's the heart of the matter. That's the divide, and that will be the divide on Judgment Day, friends. Is that one is dying, the other one is living. One is is going down. The other one is being raised up. One is unfruitful. The other one continues to bear fruit in its season. One is passing away. The other is just coming into its life. So every child of God that hears the word like this, bears the fruit of the spirit now you have three different three different varieties of christians some a hundredfold some 60 and some 30 and he doesn't condemn the 30fold because he's not a hundredfold sometimes fruitfulness is more in some than it is in others we're not all world-famous preachers. We're not all able to, to bring thousands of people to Christ. That's not what he's saying. But we all, all who have been brought into the kingdom and the heart has been changed and the heart is made new and the seed gets planted in the soil of the heart, it grows and bears fruit. Because it's connected to God. And so, what we're looking at here is people who are in God's kingdom. They may be diverse. They may have different, different backgrounds. They may be in different situations. But they're bearing fruit. I want to ask you this morning, are you bearing fruit that is pleasing to God? What is the fruit that's coming out of your life? Fruit born is the kind of fruit that comes from the seed that was sown. The seed that's put in the ground, that's the fruit it will bear. If the seed is the Word of God, the fruit will be in accordance with the Word of God. You don't put an apple seed in the ground And get an oak tree. God plants his word. And he makes his people. 
to become more and more like Him. The Word of God will always produce the fruit of the Spirit. The Word of God always produces the fruit of the Spirit. So in conclusion, brothers and sisters, Jesus here has given us three types of unbelievers who hear the Word of God. He's given us three types of believers who've heard the Word of God. And I believe with all my heart today that we all know where we are. My concern, brothers and sisters, is that you face Christ on the day of judgment. And I'm not saying that you have to be a hundredfold Christian. Maybe that's not God's intent for you. But are you bearing fruit? Is there fruit coming out of your life? That's eternal fruit from God. That is His working in you. And you've laid yourself down so that He may live within. Let's pray. Our Father, as we come to the close of this sobering passage, Father, we thank You for our Lord Jesus Christ. And as He said, without Him we could do nothing. We ask, Lord, for Your Word to take root in us more than what it already has. Father, we ask that if there's anyone here whose heart is stony or whose heart is thorny or who have never given consideration to the Word of God, Lord, I just pray that today may their heart be prepared to receive Your truth, Lord. Break up the stony ground, Lord, and remove the stones, I pray. Remove the thistles and thorns. Lord, may it be your fruitful garden. We pray that more souls would come to the kingdom. And we pray, Father, that in your name, your word would be taught and preached. We would receive it into good ground. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be dismissed.